It's time to worship. It's time to praise the Lord. It's time to say, you know what? No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've gone through this week, no matter what kind of impossibility you may be facing, you have the God of the impossible. You serve a supernatural God and his resurrection power. The same blood that flowed through Jesus's veins now flows through our veins. And therefore, no matter what the world may say, no matter what people may say, no what circumstances may point to, this is the thing that the Lord says. It's not going to die. It's going to live. Whether it's a ministry, whether it's a situation, a relationship, whatever it may be, the Lord says it's not going to die. It's going to lift. It's time for you to breathe life, to breathe life, to breathe life, to breathe life. Live, live, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Live, live, live. Healing power flow. Resurrection power flow redeeming power flow freedom flow lord we receive what you have for us we receive lord we are a supernatural people we will not have our eyes fixated on the flesh we will not be in agreement with the world we will not be in agreement with the enemy we will not believe the report of the world we will believe the report of the lord for in our lungs is your breath lord and we say our god is a living god our god is an all-powerful god our god is a god who makes the impossible possible so lord we stand today father worshiping you praising you exalting your name even before we see these things come to pass lord we declare them we declare right now wherever you're at if you're in your living room, in your office, wherever you're at, declare the word of the Lord over your situation. Live, live, live. The Lord says, I'm going to set people free. The Lord says, I am going this week. This week is going to be a miracle week. This week is going to be a, a, a time where things, the tide is turned. The Lord says things are going to change this week. That change you've been praying for, that change you've been preparing for, the Lord says, this is the week. This is the week that I am going to, you're going to see these things, that which I have prepared, that which you have believed for. The Lord says, you're going to see those things change before you. Lord, we receive your word today. You know, the Lord wants to show you his glory. He wants you to know him in that way, in that intimate way way. He wants to show you his glory. Actually, Moses was the one that asked, show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. And God said to Moses, I'm going to have all my goodness pass before you. Don't you know that the Lord wants his goodness to pass before you, that he wants you to experience his goodness now? Some of you don't feel like you deserve God's goodness. Some of you say, Lord, that's enough. I mean, I feel like if you give me too much, there's, there's a sense of unworthiness that you have. Actually, as I was praying as they were, we were worshiping, it reminded me of what the Jews do in their ceremony for the Passover. And they have a poem or a song, and they have a phrase called Deyunu. De de that means it would have been enough. 
it would have been enough. And they recount how God did great works before them, how God has delivered them from Egypt. And they say, you know, if you just delivered us from Egypt, they you knew that would have been enough. You fed us in the wilderness. They you knew that would have been enough. That would have been enough. And you know what the Lord says, but I got more. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good yeah. thing. It would have been enough if you just saved us. Lord, that you just came and died for us and I live on this earth knowing that I get to go to heaven. That would have been enough. But you said, no, that's not enough. I want to give you abundant life here. See, that's the thing. It's not just about eternity. It's about here and now. The Lord says, I'm here with you. I want to show you my glory. I want my goodness to pass before you. I'm bringing you into my supernatural presence. I'm bringing you into showing you how I can make the impossible possible. See, the thing is, is Moses, he experienced God's glory because he was willing to say yes to God. When God came to him through the burning bush and invited Moses in to the impossible, Moses was doing his own thing. And God said, you know what? I am going to reveal myself to the Israelite people who are in bondage, and I'm going to show them who I am. Actually, in Scripture, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses is called of God, Moses says to God, Exodus 3 verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, you tell them this, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And the Lord is saying to us today, I am that I am. I am everything you need. I am. I am everything you need. I am your savior. I am your deliverer. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am the one that watches over you. I am who I say I am. Actually, in this scripture, Exodus 3, verse 15, the Lord says this, this is my name forever, and this is my name to all generations, I am. To generation in 2020, I am. I am everything you need. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I am going to show you that in the now, in the September 13th, 2020, I am that I am. And the Lord wants you to know the I am is with you. Whatever you're going through, whatever your circumstances are, whatever country you live in, whatever village or city you live in, I am is with you. It doesn't matter if you were born to parents in the Christian faith or you were born to parents who do not serve the true and living God. The Lord says, I am with you. I am that I am. And I am for all generations. I am. I am. And the Lord says, the I am wants to reveal himself to you. 
in a new dimension, in a more intimate way, in a more personal way. And a lot of times, the truth is this. Impossibilities come to our lives. Problems come to our lives. Situations, circumstances come to our lives. And we're doing pretty good when those things aren't there. But once they come into our lives, we really look to the I am because our resources are not enough. Our self-sufficiency is not enough. Our intellect is not enough. And the Lord says, I have allowed these things to bring you into a greater intimacy with me, to a greater empowerment with me, a greater revelation of who the God that you serve is. I am. He's still the God that parts the Red Sea and you walk on dry land. He is still the God that parts the Jordan River and you walk on dry land. He is still this God that do, does the miraculous. And he is the God that is with you right now. Whatever you're going through, whatever situation, whatever your family's going through, whatever your children are going through, whatever your nation is going through, the Lord says, I am with you. Isaiah 43 verse 1 says this, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. He knows your name. Did you know that he knew what your name was before your parents did? He already knew your name. Did you know that he inscribed your name upon you? It's no mistake what your name is. I have called you by name. You are just as important as the patriarchs, in the Old Testament, you are just as important as the disciples that walked with Jesus. He knows you by name. You are no less important than those. He knows you by name. And he says, you are mine. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. You may have a nation right now that's experiencing the flooding from the tsunamis. You may be in one of the parts of the U.S. that has just gone through flooding. The Lord says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. It may be an impossibility just like the Red Sea or the Jordan. You say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get across to the other side of this. It looks impossible. I don't see how I'm going to break through this situation. The Lord says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I am with you. I am going to hold your hand. And not only am I going to do that, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go behind you. I'm going to be on either side of you. And the scripture says, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You know, you may feel overwhelmed by the things that are surrounding you. But the Lord says, he has promised, they will not overwhelm you. You know, oh, being overwhelmed is an emotion. Those emotions will not dictate to you. Those emotions do not control you. Those emotions are not necessarily truth. The truth is this. He has promised that when you walk, go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you will not be burned, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel. For I am, I am to all generations, to Moses, to the generation of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, to the generation of 
Peter and Paul and the early church expanding the gospel to us, to this generation. For I am the Lord your God. I am to all generations. And he wants to show forth his power and his glory and his goodness and his presence to us. Because he says, I have called you by name. I have called you by name. It's just not somebody else I'm going to be with. I am with you. I am with you. You, Other people may have abandoned you. Your parents may have abandoned you. Your husband may have abandoned you. Your friends may have abandoned you. But the Lord says, I am with you. You are mine. And I am everything that you need. The Lord wants you to remember that. And he also wants you to experience his presence like that right now. He says, Lynn, when you go to the people today, tell them, I am. Just like he said to Moses when they said, who is this person? Who is this God? I am that I am. The Lord says to me, you know what, Lord, what do you want to say to the people? Lord says this, remind them, I am. I am what they need right now, today. You need peace, I am. You need joy, I am. If you need provision, I am. If you need comfort, I am. I am, I am. If you need a best friend, I am. I am everything you need. And as Moses took the people and they went, they went through the Red Sea and they got into the desert to journey to the promised land. The Lord was everything they needed. He brought the bread. He gave the water. He gave the fire by night. He gave the cloud by day. I am what you need. And the Lord is saying to you today, my glory, my presence, my goodness is there for you right now. Right now. Right now, right now, you may be a 10-year-old little girl in Nepal. You may be a 32-year-old man in India. You may be here in California as a 55-year-old. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters to God. He knows your name, and he says, I am. So right now, we're just going to bring our needs to the Lord. Some of us, we just need to have that closeness, that closeness. Some of us, we're feeling a little alone, maybe in our circumstances, maybe in our challenges, maybe in our problems. We're feeling alone. And the Lord says, you know what? You are not alone. That's from the enemy. The enemy likes to isolate. He tries to even isolate us emotionally or mentally, getting our thoughts into a place of, I am alone, to believe a lie, because that is a lie. You are not alone. You are never alone. That is a lie from the enemy. You are not alone. You are never alone. The Lord says, I am with you. I am with you. And the great thing about the Holy Spirit, the great thing about the presence of God, he fills in all the void, all the vacuum, all the places where we feel we have void. The Holy Spirit's presence can come in and fill. Lord, right now, come in and fill. Those who feel alone, those who feel 
they're not important to you. Those who are believing a lie, Lord, we rebuke the devourer who wants to convince them of a lie that's trying to lead them down a path of depression or feeling forsaken or feeling lonely. Lord, we sever that lie right now because that is not the truth because you said in Exodus chapter 3, I am the God of I am to all generations. I am everything that you need. Everything that you need. There is no lack in me, God says. There is nothing that the the Lord needs. The Lord has everything you need to fulfill your life right now. Lord, come on right now, wherever you're at, just bring it to him. Do not. Some of you got to step out of the lie. Step out of the lie. The mental lie that you believe. Some of you have a low self-esteem because you've believed a lie. Some of you say, well, I was orphaned. I was rejected. I was abandoned. And therefore, I am less than. And that is not true. That is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. No, the Lord says, I know you by name. I've called you. You are, I call you son. I call you daughter. You are adopted by me. My blood, my resurrection power, my royal blood flows through your veins. Lord, we just pray, Father, over the people right now. We pray, Father, a infusement, an infusement of faith first to believe the word of the Lord. Lord, may we not stand back. May we not stand back from your word and say, well, I don't know if it's for me. Lord, may we embrace, may we feast, may we hunger for your word. And as you send your word, Lord, may we believe it. We believe it and allow it to disseminate and destroy the lies of the enemy. Lord, we we claim this word, Father, over the people today that you are with them, Lord. They will not be overwhelmed. They will not be burned by the fires that of tribulation or trial. But Lord, that they're going to come out of it as pure gold. They're going to come out of it with greater favor. They're going to come out of it with greater favor with God and with man. They're going to come out of it with greater prosperity. They're going to come out of it with greater fruitfulness. And people are going to be amazed. And you're going to say, God has shown forth his glory. All of God's goodness is passed and right before me. Why? Because I show forth, my life shows forth his glory. Standing. Come on. Come on. Receive the word. Receive the word right now. Receive the word of the Lord right now. Here we are standing in your presence. Here we are standing in your presence. glory come down. Receive the word. Receive the word. So this is what the Lord says. Some right here, right now, are experiencing a spirit of fear. The Lord's saying, I'm breaking off that spirit of fear. Some of you have foreboding thoughts, meaning what else is going to hit me? What else is going to go wrong? And you can't appreciate the tomorrow. You don't look to the tomorrow with expectation, but rather you look to the tomorrow with foreboding thoughts, with anxious thoughts. And the Lord says, that's not how my children are to live. You are to look 
to me with great expectation, with faith. And the Lord wants to break off of that fearful spirit. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The Lord says, for I have not given you a spirit of fear. For I have not given, that spirit of fear has not come from me. That spirit of fear is not a, a spirit of wisdom. Some of you think that a spirit of fear is wisdom. It is not wisdom. The Lord says, for I have not given you a spirit of fear, but I have given you a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Now you stand on that. You stand on my power. You stand, stand on my love. And you stand on, my, on the sound mind, the transformed mind. Your mind is transformed by the Holy Spirit. Stand on those things. Lord, we break off that spirit of fear. We break off that anxiety. We break off that depression. Depression is like a, it's kind of like a dark tunnel. And it's, and the, the demonic realm wants to entice you down a tunnel. Some of you listening today, some of you watching right now, you have a, a history. You have a generational curse in a sense, or forefathers, maybe your mother, your grandmother, your grandpa have a, have a past of uh, depression, even severe depression. And you say, well, I'm just like my grandma. I'm just like my grandpa. I'm just like my mom. And the Lord says, no, you're not. I have given you the mind of Christ. You will not walk in depression. And the Lord says, tear off the chains from your own neck. Do not receive that. That is not to be received by you. But you are to walk in freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. The Lord says, I want you to to walk in freedom. John 10, 9 and 10, for the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's depression. But I have come that you might have life and life to the full, to the full. Now break it off. Do not receive it. Get in the word. Get in the worship. Say my emotions, my low emotions will not drive me down that tunnel to depression. We bind it in the name of you. You bind it. You have the resurrection power in you. You will not walk in death. You will not walk in anxiety. You will not walk in fear. You will not walk in hopelessness. You will walk in hope. You will walk in love. You will walk in faith. 1 Corinthians 13 says, for these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And God is love and he wants you to walk in faith and he wants you to walk in hope those are the the essence those three things are the essence of your existence faith hope and love for these three things remain walk in those things Lord, we bind that, Father, that depression. We break it off. We say, tear off the chains. Tear off the chains. The Lord says, the prison door is open. You don't need to be in that prison. Don't you know that... that the cross of Jesus Christ blew open the door. Walk out of it. Walk out of it. Walk out into your new life. Walk out into your new life. Freedom. 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 We declare it over the earth. We declare it into nations. 
even nations that cultivate the bondage of the mind. Lord, we say that we are new creations. We are people with the mind of Christ, and we will walk that way in our nation, whatever nation you are from. The Lord says you walk with my mind. The Lord says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Lord, we declare this. We declare this because you are the I am. I am everything you need. I am the one who sets my people free. I am your healer. I am. I am. I am. I am. Those of you that are sick right now, you may be sick in body. You may have cancer. You may have a disease. You may have asthma. You may have sicknesses that are in the in the um, bronchial area, in the lungs, the Lord says, I am clearing it up. I want you to breathe life. I want the breath of God to enter. Clear it out, Lord Jesus. Clear out the asthma. Clear out those things, Father, in the way. Clear out the lung cancer in the name of Jesus right now, Father. Right now, Lord, you're in the freeing business. You're in the healing business because you said, I am. I am. I am healer. I am deliverer. I am the one who sets you free. The Lord says, those with blood cancer. Lord, we pray over Rebecca right now in Nepal. Lord, we pray over this 12-year-old girl, Lord, that had the diagnosis of blood cancer. Lord, we say right now, infuse her, infuse her, infuse her, infuse her with Jesus' blood, with Jesus' blood, that pure blood, that pure blood. Lord, the wind of God blows through her body. Lord, eradicate, eradicate that cancer right now, right now, right now, right now. In the name of Jesus, we declare it, Father. We declare it. We decree it in your name. For you are I am. You are I am. You are I am. You are I am. Shekinah glory is the manifest presence of God. Manifest is when he comes and we encounter him and he changes us. And you know, as I was praying a few minutes ago, I really felt like the Holy Spirit's flow was happening. And there was a healing flow and a freedom flow. So I want you to receive that. What the enemy likes to do is when the word, Jesus said, I sent my word and I healed your disease. What the enemy wants to do is convince you that word wasn't for you. Oh, the word was sent, but it just wasn't for you. That's a lie. He sent his word and he healed your disease. He sent his word. You've got to believe. You've got to believe. And the Lord says, I want you to believe the word. The Lord is bringing us. I believe this more than ever. The Lord is bringing us into a greater revelation and experience of his miracles and his healing power and his glory. His signs and his wonders are increasing as the impossibilities increase. God's wonders, signs, miracles, healings are not only going to increase, but surpass the impossibilities. But we have to have faith. We have to believe God. We have to say, Lord, wash my eyes that I don't look at things with the eyes of flesh, but with the eyes of the spirit. Come on. Come on. 
you know what? I don't play church. I don't believe in it. I don't have enough time for that. I believe in the true encounter of the Holy Spirit power daily. He's at work. He's at work. He's at work. And I believe this is going to be a week that God is going to do some turnarounds, some change, some of the things that you've been praying for. God's going to unlock things in your life. Some of you have been praying a long time. And the Lord says, you know what? This is going to be a week of unlocking. Look for me. Expect. Expect. Because he is the I am God. He's bringing his children into greater intimacy. This is the thing. The truth is this. He has te- he's allowed the circumstances globally to test and try the church. What are you made of? Do you require the world's approval? Do you require the resources of the world? Or are you made of faith in me? Are you made of having faith in me? The difference is when you have faith in him, you keep your eyes fixed on him. And he causes you to walk on water on those circumstances. If you're looking around for the world's help, you're looking, I got to have the world agree with me. I have to have the resources of the world. What's going to happen? You're going to fall. You're going to be overcome by the storm. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, like I believe, I believe there may be a storm. I believe I'm keeping my eyes on you. He's going to have you walk on top of those circumstances, defeating them, having victory over them. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that you sent your word. Lord, we appreciate your word, Father. We receive it in your name. Amen. Wow. Lord has some good stuff. God is on the move. You know, actually, these last few months, although challenging, have been an exciting time. An exciting time where the Lord is showing forth his glory. I just want to give a praise report especially for those of you that are local. Uh, But I want our international friends to hear this praise report that our school, we have a Christian school here, preschool and a Christian school. And we run, oh, sometimes about 130 to 150 kids total. But this year, because of the coronavirus and all of the regulations and restrictions of our county, we've had to have remote learning, which is very common, I know, all over the world right now. But we find that remote learning is not the best learning for small children specifically. And it has caused, you know, suffering for our school financially as well as population. But you know what? The Lord gave us wisdom as we were going through this trial, through this storm. You know, there's even been Christian schools in our area that have closed as a result of the coronavirus. They have closed so these are hard times, and I feel like the enemy's trying to use these times to destroy the Christian education for this younger generation that so desperately need to have that Christian influence. There's many people who send their children to Christian schools that aren't really believers themselves. And I know that even the families that come to our school, many of which call our church their home church, although they never attend any of our worship services, but they call their, this church their home church because their children go to our school. And I'm going to tell you, many, many children, most of the children, if not all the children, by the time they leave Crossroads, have accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Well, just this week, 
We just got approval. And I believe this is a miracle. This is a miracle from God. We just got approval from our county to have on-site learning. And all of our children returned to be on-site and to receive the educa- Christian education that we want to give them. And that's also increased our enrollment immediately. People starting to put their children back in our school because we're having on-site learning. And we believe that the Lord is making our light shine in this community for these children to be a protector. See, you know what? I really believe these younger generation, the teenagers and the children are under attack by the enemy. The enemy's wanting to destroy purity at a young age. The enemy's trying to sow seeds of confusion, sow his lies at a very young age. And we have to stand against that. And we need to not just be over in the corner kind of saying, oh, that's too bad. But we go on the offense. We go against that. And that's one way that we do that here. We do it through our church ministries, through our Crossroad Kids ministry. Many of our families in our community can never afford to go to a private school. We make sure we have a children's ministry that's vibrant, Holy Spirit filled, and also through our schools. And the Lord gave us a miracle this week. Gave us a miracle. And we give God glory for that miracle. And we thank him for that. I just want to, you know what? Every time God gives us miracles, I'm going to platform it. I'm going to platform it. Because the enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy. But the Lord said, nope, abundance over you. Abundance. Last week I I, uh, shared the word that the Lord said. Now this is before the waiver came through, by the way. The Lord said, mother load. I had just come from the gold country. And the Lord said, you're going to have the mother load. And then he gives us a few days later, says, Satan mother load you got the gold in you and god is going to keep prospering this house amen you know what the lord is so good so good so i want you to keep uh keep abreast of all of the things going on through our weekly e-newsletter if you you know what even those of you that live in other countries you can get the e-newsletter there might be some stuff that pertain to you as well. Our email, we send it every Friday morning, goes to you, and it just tells everything that's going on. If you want to receive that, let Pastor David know. You can just let us know through the Facebook. You can email the church office. Just let Pastor David know he's going to put you on that. We have our small groups continuing, our life groups, our men's and women's on Wednesday night. Our youth unbound continues to meet. We have all kinds of things. Our, our moms together monthly continues to meet. Our coffee connect. We have all kinds of ways for you to connect in small groups together so that you are not alone and that your faith is built. Pastor David sends out a daily devotional. They're excellent. Please get connected with those things. I edit them so I know exactly what he's saying and it's excellent teaching that's going to build spiritual muscle. I send out a a YouTube uh, filled to the brim every morning. It's between seven and eight minutes and the Lord is giving words. You know, my mom, I was talking to my mom. I don't know if she's listening. She said, you know, about halfway into this about, oh, about two and a half months ago, she's all Lynn, I'm amazed that every day you could come up with a word. (laughs) I said, Mom, you know what? The Lord has a lot to say. You know, I'm I'm just a scribe, to be honest with you. I'm a scribe with a cup of coffee. That's it. I'm just a scribe with a cup of coffee. And the Lord has things that he's just saying. 
And you know what? The Lord, he gets a theme and he just goes for it, right? And he starts telling, and he's training us. He's making us muscle Christians, right? Those of you that receive it, are you listening to it? Is he making you a muscle person? He's telling you how last, uh, on Saturday, he told us how, how our problems are a fertilizer for our fruitfulness. Problems are fertilizer for our fruitfulness. How many of you want to hear about that? See, he builds us even through our problems. So you want to listen to that, you can go to YouTube, filter the brim, you'll see my face. It looks like this, and there you go. Or um, you can look for our sermons online podcast. If you go to our e-newsletter, there are uh, links to the different ways you can get our podcast. I want to give you an update on some of our fundraising endeavors. One thing I want to say is this. Um, our, our video equipment, we are in the process of raising money for video equipment. We are over uh, 50% there. But before we meet here in person inside, we want this video equipment purchased and installed. And I'm feeling with the difference of the tier, Santa Clara County's tier has changed, that it's not too far in the future where we'll be able to have both services inside. And we want to have this video equipment purchased and installed because it can be very problematic if we don't. So please give to that. We only have less than $7,500 to raise, and we can get that purchased. I'm giving to it myself, okay? Pastor David wanted you to know something, that we just received an uh, email from our national office, which we belong to the Assemblies of God, and we give to many of our missionaries, the Assemblies of God missionaries around the world, and um, the, the national office sent us an email this week letting us know that our church was number 79 in support of world missions out of 12,986 USA churches. Now, this is USA churches. We're number 79. We, and people say, wow, you're not even that big of a church. No, you know, we're, we're a muscle church, see. We're a muscle church. We're not fat and flabby. We're muscular. See, that's the thing. And you know what? We want you to also know this has not compromised any of the ministry, this kind of giving to world missions. This does not even count what this house and its friends give through women of the world. A whole nother 501c3 doesn't take even into account that amount. We'd be much higher in the stats, but we're not that competitive, right, Pastor David? We're a little competitive, but not that competitive. We're competitive for Jesus. You know what I mean? We're just going to give to world missions. We believe in the Great Commission. And so we want to praise God that this house, this church is accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish. And it said that you would be a blessing to the nations, that we would be a this house would be a seabed, just as the Lord said, when I was up in gold country, you are a mother load of his gold. This is an example, people, that we are a, a house where the Lord wants to bless the nation. So we want to give glory to God for that. Speaking of that, let us keep in prayer our, our missionaries. We have an unnamed family. We can't name them because we're filming here. But they're going to Lebanon, and we want to pray for this family as they are preparing to go to Lebanon. And Lebanon has had some really big challenges. So let's keep this family 
this anointed family in our prayers. One last thing that I want to report to you. We are continuing to raise money for the Makai house. Okay? We are almost 70% raised. Wow. We're 69,000, almost 70,000. Since July, by the way. Since July. Wow. We give God. That's a miracle, people. I mean, I remember the day when it used to take us years to raise money. I'd get up there, okay, here we go. <laughs> See, the Lord's increasing this house. But we want to be faithful to the entirety. So we have about 30,000. Now, I do want to report to you, because I have reported it to you in writing, that the house that they initially were going to buy, the seller decided to raise the amount on them to try to maybe exploit them a bit for his own reasons. And so they stepped back from the purchase of the house that they're currently renting because of that unfairness and exploitation. And they are going to buy another place. They are looking and they do have another property that they're seriously considered considering so that this is going to happen it's just going to look differently and the other thing there might be a blessing involved you know god knows right this and and listen don't think that the enemy's going oh you can have this house the enemy's gonna battle this come on let's be people of prayer we're gonna give but we're gonna also pray because this is the first of its kind this is a house for life this is a house for the unwed mothers this is a house that's gonna save babies this house is gonna save unwanted children that the lord says are made in my image and i have a call for them these are the next moseses and esthers for india Okay, to save their people, to save their people. So listen, we're doing something that has generational consequences. See, never before, listen, never before in the history of India has something like this ever been established, ever. And we can go, I could do a whole sermon on the reason why. But the truth is this, we're putting a stake in the ground for life because Jesus is all about life. A lot of these other religions that swirl around, they're about fear and death and require that. But Jesus says, I'm about life. And this is a stake in the ground. This is more than just a a house. This is a, a spiritual stake in the ground of dominion for life. Okay? So, yes, there's a battle going on. We're going to continue to give, and we're going to continue to pray, and I'm going to continue to work with the leaders on making this happen. So let us keep that in prayer. Let's pray over our finances. Let's pray over our tithes and offerings. As you prepare to give, I know you may be needing to mail it in or doing it on PayPal or whatever. We just pray over that. Lord, we pray that you prosper this house even more. Lord, we look at things and we say, wow, God, how could you use us? And the Lord says, well, you got that David anointing. You're going to take down the Goliath of this world. You're going to take down the Goliath. And Lord, may we have that faith to continue to not be afraid. Lord, you have prospered this house in the ministries. You have prospered this house in missions. You have prospered the people and their businesses. Lord, we thank you for that. And we will continue to obey. Lord, we will continue not just to give our tithes, but our offerings faithfully to you in your name. Amen. God bless you. Pastor David. Thank you, worship team. It is so good to be with you. Uh, I want to encourage you to continue to trust the Lord during this time. You know, this is a 
unprecedented time in the history of our world. And we are not going to shrink back. We're going to continue to move forward. We're going to continue to do what the Lord's asked us to do. We're going to continue to be faithful to serve Him in all areas of our life. And I want to just challenge you to continue to grow in that. Uh, this morning, I want to talk to you. Uh, we're in a series uh, called the, the Names of God. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the name of a God called the Last Adam. Now, we all know about the first Adam. As a matter of fact, after service, we had our 8.30 outside this morning, and after service, one of the people that was there came up to me and said, you know, it was interesting, I just read uh, in Scripture the last Adam, and I had no idea what it was. And if you have your Bibles, I don't, uh, I don't know if uh, I sent the text to this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, 1 Corinthians 15, 45, Scripture says this, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. And so that's what I want to look at, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. But before we do that, I want to start with a verse from the, the letters of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and he said these things. He said, may, the God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Now, it's really interesting because... We're living in a time right now that there is such lack of peace. You know, uh, it was interesting. I had an uh, interaction with someone this past week where I was out and uh, I was uh, buying some stuff at Home Depot. And I went up to the thing and they were getting ready to wipe it all down with their sanitizers and everything at the self-checkout. And I said, no, you don't have to worry about that. I'm, I'm cool. I, and she's like, she was wearing gloves. She had a mask on and she had a plastic mask over her. And she had a jacket over to cover her, and it was pretty warm that day. It was one of the days we had really hot weather. And I started talking to her, and you could just sense the fear coming out of her. You could sense the, the lack of peace. You know, the Lord wants to give us peace. The reason he came, his, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. You know, and, and the Lord wants to give you peace, and he wants to give you peace. And I love how he says this that he may sanctify you through and through, making you holy. See, there's an aspect of us when we're walking in the right relationship with God that circumstances and situations don't phase us because we're walking in favor, we're walking in grace, and we're walking in obedience. And so I want to talk to you this morning because I want to talk to you about the last Adam, but in order to understand the last Adam, you have to understand the first Adam. You see, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth and all the things that were in the earth, and everything was obedient to the Lord. Uh, when God created the heavens and the earth, He created the spirit world around it. And the uh, angelic hosts that were in heaven were obedient to God. And a time came where a portion of them rebelled against God, and, and we, we find that in the book of Isaiah, in the prophet Isaiah, in chapter 14, verse 12, he says, "...now or how you have fallen from heaven..." morning star, son of dawn, you have been cast down to earth, and you uh, once who laid low the nations. So we get that as an understanding of how the angelic hosts, the angels, the spirit beings of, of heaven, uh, a portion of them were cast out. Now, when you read the rest of Scripture, you'll find out that the reason they were cast out was because of their pride and arrogance. They wanted to be, equate themselves with God. They wanted to put themselves on the same level as God. As a matter of fact, they wanted to be above God. And uh, although we don't know the exact number, 
There is a speculation from the book of Revelation in chapter 12, uh, verse 4, the first part of that verse, says that it was uh, uh, the tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. A lot of theologians connect Romans 12, or Revelations 12, rather, with Isaiah 14, and that gets where we say a third of the heavenly hosts were cast out of heaven. But the, the passage basically talks about how pride and arrogance of the angelic beings caused them to be separated from God. And it's interesting because one of the things that we see about pride, pride always causes rebellion against God. It doesn't matter if it's in human beings or in spirit beings. It doesn't matter if it's in individuals. It doesn't matter if it's in communities. It doesn't matter if it's in cultures and countries. Pride will always set itself up against God. And what pride says is this. I don't need you, or I know more than you do. You know, have you ever met someone that's been very insecure? They tend to tear other people down. They tend to want to make you feel inferior to them so they could build their own self-esteem or lack thereof up. And when you're, you're looking at pride, one of the things that we see, this is the same pride that caused Adam and Eve to sin because what did the, what did the serpent say to them when you take the fruit? You will what? You'll be like God. And the truth of the matter is none of us will ever be like God. There is nothing in us. We're we are created in the image and likeness of God. God is spirit. Scripture says in the, the Gospel of John, in chapter 4, verse 24, it says, God is spirit and his worshipers worship him in spirit and truth. Now, God is a spirit being. He is, he is not confined to a physical body. Now, God is some sort of uh, essence or substance, but it's a spiritual substance. It's not a physical uh, substance like you and I have. Now, the only time God took on a physical substance is when the incarnation of Jesus Christ came and he became, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the, the gospel of John chapter 1. But God the Father is a heavenly being. He is a spiritual being. That's why we worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, here's something really important we've got to, we've got to grasp here. The Bible tells us that there are uh, uh, spirit beings. We know that. We know there's the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, as a believer, when we accept the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in us. Uh, when we're believers, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. But you see, there's also evil spirits. And a lot of times, Christians specifically will get really tied up in that. And there was a, missi a missiologist, he was actually a, uh, eventually became a professor at Fuller Seminary. Uh, pastor Lynn was, had him for one of her uh, professors. Uh, he was an American missiologist who's world-renowned on uh, anthropology and missiology together, those two subjects being brought together. And the interesting thing he talks about, he talks about a thing called the excluded middle. You see, as Westerners, we have a really hard time with the spirit world. You know, we, we believe there's two different spectrums or tiers we have. We have the invisible and the visible, the seen and the unseen, the spiritual and the natural, and never the twain shall meet. That's kind of the way Westerners view it. But you see, uh, uh, Hebert, uh, basically, he was actually raised in India by missionary families. He's a Mennonite brethren, and he uh, uh, learned about this. And what he basically says is there is an excluded part between those two where there is a, there is a spirit realm and there's a physical realm, but there is something between those. And I don't know if you've ever had an angelic visitation. Some people say they, they have. Some people, you know, I, I had an experience that I can't explain except for that it was an angelic visitation. And it was a person manifested themselves next to me, and I had a conversation, and then when I turned, they were gone. 
And it wasn't, I wasn't doing peyote or doing any kind of wild drugs or anything. This was, this was, I was sober, okay? And uh, some of you are starting to question that. Some of you are starting to question it right now, you know? But there is something that we know in, in other parts of the world, and if we've, you've traveled enough, you realize that people realize there is something that, where the Spirit comes in. Now, if you look through Scripture, you'll see that even when the angels appeared, now what are angels? They're spirit beings, right? They manifested themselves in some sort of way that people could identify them. And as a result of that, they recognized they had fear or they had worry or they, they said something to them because they recognized them. And that's what we want to talk about because we live in a physical world, but you and I, first and foremost, are spiritual beings. Do you realize that? Outwardly, you're wasting away, but inwardly, we should be renewed day by day. So what happens is that you have God in heaven, and he is a spirit being, and it says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Image, the word image that is used there, it's a concept that really, literally means uh, a likeness to or a resemblance of. We are not gods. I hate to tell you, you are not a god. I am not a god. You know, I, every once in a while I hear somebody that, that claims to be a god. There was just a, someone going to Hawaii recently, this last week, a cult member from this cult out of, out of, of Colorado went to Hawaii and said that she was a reincarnation of Pele, the fire god of the Hawaiian Islands. Well, guess what? Not only was she not Pele, she was not allowed into Hawaii because she didn't have the proper uh, documentation, and they sent the whole cult back to, to Colorado. You see, people always want to assume that they are a god. Now, some people, they have that in their worldview, but I tell you what, they're, they're deluded. They're not accurate in their thinking. And one of the things that we want to do is we want to look at what makes us in the image of God. If you ever heard of the term the uh, imago dio, it's the image of God, the concept that we are created in the image and likeness of God. That is why as believers, as Christians, we treat everybody with respect. Doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter what country they're from, doesn't matter what color they are, doesn't matter what religion they are, doesn't matter if they're anti-Christian, antagonistic Christian, or they could care less. We treat people the same. You know why? Because the image and likeness of God is in them. They may not know it, they may not be aware of it, but what we do is we, we realize and we recognize that the image of God is in people. I've often heard people say, they use the term the divine spark, and the divine spark is actually not a biblical term. I understand where people get it from, but let me just clarify something. It's actually a Gnostic or mystic, mystical term, mysticism term. And it, it, it basically, there's no biblical precedence to say that. The only spark you and I have in us is the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit living and dwelling and moving in us. But when you look at Scripture, Scripture says in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes that we are, uh, have eternity set in our hearts. The, the, the biography of, of Jim Elliott is entitled that. And it talks about how even in uh, cultures that don't understand that there is a God, there is a, an aspect within us that we understand the concept of eternity. And what God wants to do is God wants you and I to live in not just the temporal now, but in the eternal as well. It's the, as one theologian said, the already but the not yet. What we are doing is we are spirit beings who are connected to a living God, but we're living in a physical world. 
That's why the Bible teaches us that we have body, soul, spirit, and, and, and we have that, that nature of who we are. We're made in the image and likeness of God, but we will never be God, but we are a servant of God. The book of Hebrews says this, and this is what I love about this, the word of God. The Bible tells us that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, that the, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So it cuts both ways that it goes. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, it's really important for you and I, as people of faith, of biblical faith, to be people of the word. The word is what we follow. The word is Jesus that has become flesh and dwelt among us. So when we're starting to look at this, what we have to do is build up the understanding of how God created us. He created us in his image and likeness, but yet the fact is we will never be gods. There are religions out there that teach you, you will become a god. You know what that's called? Heresy. Okay? That is not biblical truth. That is a distortion of the word of God. God's word said you're made in the image and likeness of God, but we are creatures who have been formed. As a matter of fact, if you look in the, the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, and then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. How many of you have ever been to a crematorium? Mostly all of you, because no one's responding. <laughs> you know, None of us have been in a crematorium. I had a friend that was an undertaker, and I had the opportunity as a high schooler to, to go to a crematorium, and they, they would put a body in and turn on the incinerator, and a 180, 190, 250-pound person would be reduced to a little box of ashes. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We were formed from the dust of the earth. God said in the book of Genesis, he took the dust of the earth, and it says, and he breathed into it. And the word that's used in the original language is a very primitive root word in the Hebrew language. It literally means to inflate with a puff, kind of like, it's just a simple little, and what that breath was, was actually the infusion of life into dirt. And, and the word of God tells us that God came and he took his divine nature and breathed his breath into us. So we had actually an aspect of heaven breathed into the human body. So we had the spirit being and the flesh, the two coming together. The spirit man and the, the physical man. The spiritual woman and the physical woman. Both of those things came together. And they were created beings by God. And the whole thing that God said was, you guys can live in eternal peace with me, but you must do one thing. There was a divine warning that was given. And if you look in the book of Genesis a little bit further down, 10 verses down from chapter uh, 2, verse 7, in 2.17, you see this. It says, but you must not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. See, there was a warning given to Adam and Eve. And the warning was, you have to realize that there is a, a, a way you are to live and your obedience to listen to the voice of the Lord and live according to it. Now, what happened? We all read Genesis chapter 3. We hear the story of the fall. The snake comes into the garden, which represents uh, Satan, the angel that had fallen because of his pride and arrogance, thinking that he was greater than God. That angel, come, that angel, that, that demonic spirit comes in and goes up to Adam and Eve and basically deludes them into thinking that if they take the fruit of the tree, 
they will then be like God. They will then be like God. That was pride. That was arrogance. And what happens was Adam and Eve, who prior to this were in right relationship with God, they weren't in any problems with God. They were living purity and holiness. They could be in the presence of God and not be intimidated. And instantly, what happens? They're fallen into sin. And there is a divide. There is a separation. Uh, the book of Romans tells us that basically as a result of sin, we are separated from God. And the Bible tells us that the whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to let people know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can get to the Father. No person, no human being can ever make it to God throughout uh, all of eternity without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, when, and it's interesting because, you know, if there ever was a divine spark, which, you know, people will sometimes use that, which I don't like that term, but I've probably used it in the past, but I, I, I realize that I'm trying to carry on a, a conversation with someone to help them to understand. If there ever was a divine spark, it would be Jesus. It would be the Holy Spirit because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me, what happens? You'll never walk in darkness. Now, when you think of angelic beings in Scripture, uh, righteous angels, righteous spirits were always identified as angels of white and light and, and purity. And then there is a darkness that comes, a fallen nature, an evil spirit, that if you've ever been in a place where, I don't know if you've, you're this spiritually sensitive, but I kind of feel bad spirits, you know? And I, I sense them. I, I, I don't give them the time of day because I realize that greater is he that is in me than, than that that's in the world. And, uh, but I've been in places where I've just felt like a darkness. And, and in all the years of pastoring and counseling with people, and they tell me, man, there was this evil presence in my, my home. I could just sense it and spirit, feel it. It was just a darkness that came over it. That is never the spirit of the living God. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I'm the darkness of the world. He didn't say, I'm the fear of the world. Perfect love does what? Casts out all fear. So anytime there's fear or darkness, you know it's an evil presence. And what you need to just do is declare the presence of the Holy Spirit. You just start praising the name of Jesus. You start glorifying the name of God. So what happens when sin entered the world? Did, did sin remove the image of God in humanity when it came into the world? No, it didn't. What happened was it distorted it, it disfigured it, you know, during this whole COVID thing, my wife and I have been binge-watching certain shows just to relax, you know. Uh, we're actually busier now than we were before COVID. Uh, it's crazy, but, you know, the only way I can relax is watch something that's soothing. And uh, there's a show on called The Repair Shop. It's a, a, a place in, in London where people take uh, antiques and treasures that have been broken or damaged, and this, this company restores them. And the thing I like about them is they don't make them look like they just come out of the showroom. They'll repair something, but they'll allow all the nicks and dents and scratches, and they'll just make it functional again. And I think that's a lot of ways when sin comes into our world, we are damaged to a point where our relationship with God is so severed. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and cleanses us, he allows us to be repaired and restored, but we still have, may have the marks of sin, you know? You know, you may be in a relationship with someone that maybe something's happened to you and you're damaged as a result of it. Doesn't mean you have to walk in that damage the rest of your life. You can be restored. 
And the thing is, when we look at sin, what did sin do to Adam and Eve? Sin distorted their purity. The purity they had was lost. Their characters became sinful. Their intellect actually was even affected. You know, people that don't have the presence of of the mind of Christ have a mind that has been uh, uh, infused with falsehood and lies. You know, it's interesting, my wife and I, we watched a documentary about uh, the development of of Africa, and it's a study of the history of Africa, and they were talking about how uh, Africa was the, 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 the center of the universe and of all these religions and of all of these cultures, and they were talking about how uh, at a certain period in time, about 4,000 uh, BC, there was a, a, a slow gradual effect on the earth that changed the plains of, of the Sahara that used to be a lush tropical gl- ground into a desert, and it was a slow progression. And I said to my wife, I said, pause that. And I stopped, and I opened my Bible and pulled up some things. And I said, hey, guess what time, guess what in the anticipation of when the flood was? 4002 B.C. Which if the earth burst forth and all the water that once supplied the Sahara with water, that could easily have been gone out. And then they were talking a little bit later, and they were talking about how the people of Africa moved to different regions and how there's a, there's a female uh, DNA that's present in every human being. And Lynn and I looked at each other, yeah, it's called Eve, you know? And then they talked about how the African people slowly migrated over all of the continents. And I said, have you never heard of the, the uh, Platonic theory, how this earth was all fit together and is separated? Well, that happened about the same time period that they're talking in this show, So we're sitting there from people of faith seeing these things, and then this man gets up and he says, well, you know, there is no way that the Hebrew slaves could have built all of the temples. That's just myth. And I'm thinking, wait, everything you're telling us is based upon assumption. We have a record of a historic document that tells us this is truth. You know why? Because their minds were deceived. Sin distorts and deceives the mind. It makes you think that you're a god makes you think that you know more than what Scripture says. And that's why Jesus came, and that's why John chapter 3 says, you've got to be born again. You have to be renewed. There has to be a washing of the mind. There has to be a cleansing of the mind. We need a Savior. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. You need a Savior. (laughs) And you're looking at me thinking, you need a Savior. And you're right, I do. All of us need a Savior. And redemption can only come through a divine, pure being, not through a fallen person. I cannot save you. You cannot save me, but there is one who can save us. And by the name, his name is Jesus. And when you look at it, that's where we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 45, or 1545, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1545. And the first Adam being a living being, see, Adam was a living being that fell into sin and he was tainted. And as a result of his sin, There needed to be the last Adam, Jesus Christ, who was a life-giving spirit is what Scripture says. And you see, there's a big difference between the first and the last Adam. You see, the first Adam surrendered to temptation in the garden. The last Adam beat temptation in the garden. The first Adam sought to be like God. The second Adam was God and became like man. The first Adam was naked and deceived and, 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 and receive clothing, and the last Adam had clothes that, that stripped off him. The first Adam was 
from the, uh, hid his face from the face of God. And the last Adam begged God not to hide his face from him. The first Adam blamed his bride. The last Adam took the blame for his bride. The first Adam earned thorns. The last Adam wore thorns. Oh, this is good. The first Adam gained a wife when God opened man's side, but the last Adam gained a wife when man opened God's side. Get that? When his side was pierced, we became the body of Christ through the blood. And I love this. The first Adam bought the curse, but the second Adam became the curse. And as a result of that, what the first Adam did by saying to the serpent and listening to the serpent, take and eat, the last Adam said, here, this is my body, take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in that, in the, in the act of the sacrifice that what communion represents, you and I are now brought back into right relationship with God. Hebrews tells us that the, the, the gospel of Hebrew, the gospel, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15 tells us that for we did not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weakness. Listen, human beings are weak. I don't care if you compete in the strongest man or strongest woman competition. I don't care how physically fit you are. You are weak. Outwardly, we're wasting away. But inwardly, our spirit being should be be renewed day by day. And what Hebrews tells us is that there was one who came who was tempted in every way, just like us, but he did not sin. See, that's the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam. The first Adam was tempted and failed and sinned. The last Adam, who was God in flesh, the the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He took the very form and nature of a human being, although he was divine. Scripture says he set aside his divinity and took on humanity and then in the gospel of, of, of uh, Matthew chapter 4, when he went out into the desert and he was tempted by the devil, the scripture says he came back in the power of the spirit. You see, what Jesus did, he set aside his divine nature to say, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you how you should live. You don't, have to have, you don't have to be God to live. You have to have the Holy Spirit in you. You need to have the power of the Holy Spirit in you so that you can live. So when temptation comes, which all of us will be tempted, when it comes, we will have the power of the Holy Spirit as a way of escape to help us get through that temptation. This is better than the first service, folks. I tell you. Yeah, my wife's sitting here going, absolutely. I, was, I wasn't hitting all four cylinders. I was, I, I was on a, a two-stroke engine that had one of the valves down. But I tell you, I, I'm running a V8 right now, folks, you know. And, and what Jesus said, Jesus, God, got to get back to the word, okay. What Jesus said is that I will show you how to live. And the power of God flows through you through the Holy Spirit. That's why John chapter 1 says, and the word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only son. There are not, there are not multiple sons of God. You and I may be Abraham's, uh, Abraham may be our father, uh, but we are not equal with Jesus. We are subordinate to Jesus and we are surrendered to Jesus. And as a Christian, a Christ follower, we follow the example of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of the Father. And if you want to walk in the power of the Spirit, you have to be someone that says, I'm going to walk in the path that Jesus stepped in. I'm going to walk in the steps that he followed. Jesus didn't say, 
You're the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you can't get to the Father unless you come through Jesus. So anyone that tells you, oh, there's many roads that lead to heaven, tell them, yeah, but most of them are dead ends. You know, the truth is, when we are following the Lord, we become obedient to the name of Jesus Christ. We surrender ourselves to him. Jesus may have been the stone that the builders rejected, but he became the cornerstone of our salvation. He became the one that salvation comes to only through Jesus. You know, it's interesting. My wife and I were watching a documentary about uh, Christianity and Islam. And it was talking, there is actually a verse in the Quran that actually talks about how Jesus is the prophet of God. Not just a prophet, but the prophet. And if, if, an, if a Muslim wants to understand the full teachings of the Quran, they should go to the people of the book, Bible, to get an interpretation. Okay? So when you and I are talking to someone from one of these other religions, they need to come to us, and you need to rightly divide the word of truth. That's why you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit, which will bring back to remembrance everything that Jesus said. Now, who is Jesus? He is the word who became flesh. Jesus is the word. He may have been the last Adam, but he is the word of God. And the last Adam, the word of God, is the one that speaks through the Holy Spirit to us. And he says that he, he, is the belie- he is the one we believe in. He is the one we trust in. So how is Christians, you know, was, and when, I, when I lived in India and people would ask me, what religion are you? I would tell them I am a Christ follower. Because in certain parts of the world, using the term Christian has got a, a, a negative connotation to it. And I believe that's because of low standards a lot of Christians have lived in their life that they become more concerned about politics, they're more concerned about power, they're more concerned about money, they're more concerned about their own well-being rather than the well-being of others. And so I would tell people all the time, I am a Christ follower. Now, if you follow me, one of the shirts we made for the men's ministry was, uh, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And I love wearing that in the stores because I walk in front of people and I can, I can hear sometimes people reading the back of my shirt. And if you're going to follow someone, you've got to walk in their footsteps. You just don't go on your own way. You don't walk ahead of them. You don't walk to the side. You walk behind them. It's kind of like walking through deep snow. You don't want to have to make that first impression. You put your foot in the same footsteps that that other person's doing. And Scripture tells us that if you're truly going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're truly a Christian, you will be obedient to the Father. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus said he did. He said, it's not my will, but yours be done. If you're going to be a true Christian, you're going to be obedient not to self, but to his will. Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. We are followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the things, the secret for successful Christianity is this. It's not in doing, it's in being. Do you hear me? A lot of times Christians think, well, if I do this and do this and do this, then everything's going to be right. But you have to be Have the spirit of the living God in you so that your character becomes like Christ. So that your character demonstrates is a demonstration of your life. So that everything that you do, you clothe yourself with Christ. You surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit. You walk in his ways and you become like Christ. You see, the problem with too many people is that they think that if I just do A, B, and C, then I could live the rest of my life any way I want. No, you have to surrender yourself to the Lord. And I I believe this. I believe that true salvation begins 
when we totally surrender ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just that he's our savior, but he is our Lord. You see, there's a difference between lordship and savior. Savior is he saves me from sin. Lordship is I live for you. You know, how many times do we sing a song, I live for you, and then two, two hours later we're doing our own thing? You know, and here's the problem. Here's what happens with pride. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People that don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit living in them, people that haven't accepted Christ, their minds are deluded. And, and you can see that. You can see it in our cultures. Our culture, any, our culture or any culture moves away from the, the biblical truths of Scripture. There is a deterioration of the value of human beings. There is a deterioration of purity. The things that were once considered pure are no longer considered pure, and the things that once were considered vile are now considered righteous. We've switched everything around. You know why? Because our minds are blinded. Just like Adam and Eve, when they fell into sin, the distortion, the, the scarring of their minds, that's why Christ came. That's why the, the, Jesus came on the cross for us. Worship team, come on up. You know, the scripture tells us this, that it is the spirit himself that testifies to our spirit that we're children of God. And the only way that you and I can be children of God is if we surrender our will to the will of the Father. If we surrender our life to the will of the Father. And that's why it's so important. That's why under our leadership, Crossroads will be a church of the Word. We will be people who allow the Word of God to transform and renew your minds. And if you're in a place right now where your mind has been uh, blinded by, by the deception, by the, the lies of the world, by the lies of Satan, by the distortion of true biblical Christianity, then I want to challenge you this morning. Surrender yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just the Saviorship of Him, but the Lordship of Him. And I, what I want to do this morning, I want to I close in a word of prayer, but I want to pray the prayer of 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 over you. That, that, that God himself, listen to this, that God himself will come in right now wherever you're at. I don't care if you're listening to us live. I don't care if you're listening to us in a replay. I don't care if you're listening to us online through one of our podcasts. Lord, I pray that the God himself, the Jehovah God, the I am God, the God who was be before time existed and will be here after time ends, that this God will come and you will bring peace. You will be the God of peace that will sanctify both our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I pray that, God, you will sanctify us every aspect of our life. That means, Lord, some of us, we have things in our life that need to be purified. Sanctification is a process of washing and cleansing. And, Lord, I pray that the Word of God will sanctify our minds, that, God, our minds would be transformed by the renewing of the Word. I pray that, God, we will then be able to find your good, pleasing, and acceptable will. I pray that as we walk in you, Father, our whole spirit, our souls, our body will be kept blameless until the coming of our, your precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that, Father, we will trust you to be faithful to us. I pray that, God, we will not only trust you to be faithful, but we ourselves will be faithful to you. 
we will do as Jesus said, that our will is only to do the will of the Father. And I pray that as we do this, God, we will walk in victory, we will walk in authority, and we will walk as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I thank you that the last Adam came so that he could restore all the works that the first Adam messed up. That, Lord, that sin that had entered us would be severed, it would be restored, it would be renewed. I thank you, God, that you're restoring your sons and daughters into a right relationship with the Father. I thank you that, Father, that that gender uh, differences will be reconciled under Christ. I thank you that racial differences will be reconciled under Christ. I pray that pride would be crucified under Christ. I pray that, Father, that the moving of the Holy Spirit on your sons and daughters would transform our communities. In Jesus' name we ask. And if you believe that, say amen. Scripture tells us that everything that was made was made through Christ. And then Christ came as the last Adam to restore what was destroyed. The Creator came and He restored what was destroyed. He said, I know how to fix this because I created it. Don't you love that? I created you. I know how to fix you. This is the thing. Whatever sin or maybe other people's sin sometimes, what other people have done to us has tried to destroy you, has tried to mess you up, has tried to erode you. Your creator came as the last Adam to say, you know what? I created you. I know how to fix things. I know how to restore you. You don't have to walk shattered. You don't have to walk broken. You don't have to walk devastated. You don't have to walk confused. The Lord said, I came as the last Adam to give you back everything, not partial, everything that I gave humanity before sin came into this world. He has promised you that. He did that. He loves you. He wants you to walk in restoration. You know, you know, Pastor David is telling on us that we're watching this show called The Repair Shop. Watch it. It's an interesting show. But it's interesting to watch these artisans take these very precious antiques and restore them and how detailed and intimate and concerned they are with these vessels and how they know, you know, how to get intimately involved to correct something so that now it runs like it should. How it was supposed to. How it was made to run. For the purpose it was made. And the Lord says, you know what? I want to be intimate with you. Don't hold back. Don't fight the creator. Don't fight Jesus. Say, embrace him because he wants to get intimate. Sometimes... You know what? This is a word for some somebody. Sometimes it feels like we're being broken, but we're actually being healed. We're actually being fixed because we're holding on to chains that are binding us. And the Lord is saying, you, it, it, it's almost like it feels 
like we're being broken when he is taking our fingers off the chains that we've held to because those chains, whether it be an addiction, whether it be some sort of habit or pattern that we've grown accustomed to to comfort us, but it's been made us dysfunctional or made us walk in sin. And the Lord's saying, I'm not breaking you, I'm healing you. (laughs) I'm taking apart something so that I can build you up to be whole. I'm removing the disease from you. The disease of negative thinking. The disease of self-pity. Whoa, let's get into that one. The disease that can be cultivated in you because you look to that for some way of, of making it through life. And the Lord says, no, no, I am healing you. I am restoring you. I am empowering you. Because I came as the last Adam where Adam and Eve screwed up big time, messed up broke it apart I came back and I put it all together through the cross for you for you you know what the enemy wants he wants you to just walk broken he wants you to not receive the work that your creator is giving to you right now because he said I made you and now I'm putting you back together through my grace through my love through my presence, through my healing, through the community of faith. He heals us through one another. Scripture says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. See, that's what he does. He's the last Adam to restore us. Is there an area of your life you need restoration? Is there an area of your life that seems to be a pattern of going back to that just feels it's, it's stealing life from you. It's, it's unhealthy for you. It's harmful to you. It's harmful to relationships. It's harmful to the way you think. It's harmful to how you function in life. The Lord says today, I, the last Adam, came to restore you. Fully, fully restore you. Not partial, fully. Lord, we're going to lift those things up right now. You know what? Some of you had some of you listening you had a history maybe a few generations it wasn't necessarily the generation of your parents but maybe the generation of your grandparents or great-grandparents that were very godly people maybe ministers maybe very powerful people of the spirit and somehow there was a loss of that it was like a loss it's a an inheritance, a faith inheritance that was lost. And the Lord says, you know what? I restore that to you. I restore that to your life right now. I restore that to you and your children as they go forward. The Lord says, I'm a restoring God. Even the inheritance that you feel like you've lost because maybe the rebellion of your forefathers, maybe even your own rebellion, could be your own rebellion, maybe in your some years, the Lord says, you know what? No more grief over that. No more tears over that. The Lord says, I restore to you that inheritance of faith. I restore to you that anointing, that devil portion from your forefathers. The Lord is saying that he is he is releasing that to you. He's saying, I am, I am your creator and I am the restorer God. 
Some of you, there's another word. The Lord's giving me words, so I'm just going to do it. Some of you, you're entering into a new relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. It's, it's a marriage type of relationship, and you come from brokenness of the past. You're coming from divorce, a, a, a divorce situation. And the Lord says this, and you have concerns about your brokenness. You have concerns about maybe the person you're marrying and your brokenness, and are we bringing baggage into this relationship? And the Lord's saying to you today that this is a new thing that I am doing. The Lord says, I want you to walk into this relationship whole, having received my healing, having re- that the Lord says, I could be with you. I am with you in this relationship. Walk in obedience to me as a couple. Walk faithful to me as a couple, and I am going to bless this relationship. I'm going to flourish you. And not only that, I am going to show family members and friends around you what I can do because they watched you in brokenness. They walked, watched you in devastation. And the Lord says, and I'm going to show how I restore. I, sh- I show forth how I restore what the enemy had tried to kill, steal, and destroy. And even years, it's going to feel for you that this isn't just a new uh, relationship where you're kind of faltering and learning each other, but you're going to have that sense that even the years are being restored in the sense of the depth of that relationship and the sense of the, the faithfulness and the committedness and that sharing and the integration of one another in that relationship. The Lord's saying, I'm going to restore to you so that as you move forward, it doesn't feel like you're having to go through the whole learning thing, but you're going to go forward and you're going to feel like you've known this person all your life. And you have such harmony and integration. The Lord is a restorer. The Lord is a restoring God. He's in the business. That's why he came as the last Adam that, to restore. The Lord says, I'm restoring favor to you. I'm restoring favor. As you have stepped into your the healing I have given to your life, the Lord is restoring favor. Not only with him. You've already stepped into favor with God. Now the Lord says, I enlarge the territory to give you favor with man, to give you favor with people. Even with unbelievers, I'm going to give you favor. With um, government officials, I'm going to give you favor. I feel like this is for like India. People in India, the Lord says, you know, as you have aligned yourselves, even over these last few months, you've grown in your spirit. You've grown in your faith, even though you've been in a difficult shelter-in-place time, very restricted. The Lord says that I am going to increase, as you have grown in favor with me, I am going to unlock, I am going to increase your territory of favor with people, favor with uh, government officials, people that you need favor with, that they will choose you, they will uh, favor you when you have decisions that need to be made that are, and you're at the mercy of government. The Lord says he's going to unlock favor. He's going to unlock favor. They're going to like you. They're going to love you. There's going to be such a soft heart, even though they may not be um, a, a believer in Jesus Christ. There's Their hearts are going to be softened towards you. You're not going to have the resistance. The Lord says that uh, you've had resistance in the past, and 
everything's been a battle. Every time it's been a battle. But the Lord is saying now as you're going forward in this new season, the Lord says that there's not going to be resistance. It's going to be like a hot knife going through butter. A hot knife going through butter. It's going to be soft. It's going to be easy. It's going to be a release. It's not going to be like a an iron gate the Lord says that iron gate has been destroyed and now that it, you have an open uh, doorway an open path because I'm restoring something I'm restoring something Lord we thank you for your words Lord we receive your word you are the one who restores us you restore us Father we thank you for your presence we thank you Lord as we go through this week we just don't Uh, have faith right now. We walk in faith. We walk in your word. We expect to see things happen as a result of the word that you sent. Just like when you walked on this earth, Lord, and you told the man, the centurion, to go back and see his a slave that was sick, that he would be healed. And he goes back. He says to Jesus, just by your word, I know. I know if you'll send your word. And he sends his word. Lord, we can, we can expect because of your word. We can expect because you said it. And when you speak something, you create it. And we can go through this week looking for that which you created by your word. So, Lord, as we go into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we look for the manifestation of what you've spoken. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. In your precious name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. God is good.